would hide Jews during World War II. Um, she had a sister, a dad. They would hide Jews from the, from the Nazis. They got caught. They all, they all got sent to uh, Ravensbrück um, concentration camp where her sister died. Um, and it was a horrible experience. Again, topic here is forgiveness, all right? It was a horrible experience for her. Um, and, and then Corrie Ten Boom, after the war, she was released, I think, in 1944. They were released from the camp. And, you know, they were liberated. And, uh, but she was kind of involved then after that in, in talking about her experience with God and this whole thing. So uh, I'm just going to read an account that, came, that she wrote in, from one of her books about encountering a guard from the concentration camp three years later. And again, here's the, the forgiveness, the story is forgiveness, all right? So she said, it was, it was at a church in Munich. So she was invited to go to Germany post-war, you know, three years later to talk about her experience and talk about Jesus. It was in a church in Munich that I saw him, a balding, heavy-set man in a gray overcoat, a brown felt hat clutched between his hands. People were filling, were filling out the basement room where I had just spoken. It was 1947, and I had come from Holland to the defeated Germany with the message that God forgives. And that's when I saw him, working his way forward against the others. One moment I saw the overcoat and the brown hat, and the next, and this is where she's kind of going to memories, a blue uniform and a visored cap with a skull and crossbones. It came back to me in a rush. The huge room with its harsh overhead lights, the pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the floor. She's back at Robinsbrook. The shame of walking naked past this man. I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me, ribs sharp beneath the parchment skin. Betsy, her sister, how thin you were. Betsy and I had been arrested for concealing Jews in our home during the Nazi occupation of Holland. This man had been a guard at Robinsbrook concentration camp where we were sent. The man approaches her at this meeting now in Germany. You mentioned Ravensbrück in your talk, he was saying. I was a guard there, but he did not remember me. I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition that we forgive those who have injured us. But since that time, he went on, I've become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me now for the cruel things I did there, but I would like to hear it from your lips as well. Fräulein... His hand came out. Will you forgive me? All right, now I want you to, I want you to kind of put yourself in Corey Ten Boone's body for a second. Her sister died at this camp. She probably saw un, 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 unspeakable horrors done to, done to other prisoners at the camp. And one of the guards that she recognized, she didn't, she didn't say that she ever saw this guard do anything violent, but he was a guard there, reaches her hand out and says, will you forgive me? So... Whatever you've had done to you that you need forgiveness probably doesn't come to the same level as what Corey Ten Boone had to forgive. So the hand sticking out, will you forgive me? And then she says, and I stood there. I, whose sins every day were forgiven, and I could not. In other words, I couldn't reach out my hand. Betsy had died in that place. How could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out. But to me, it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I ever had to do. For I had to do it, I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition that we forgive those who have injured us. She quotes Jesus, if you don't forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. And still I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart. 
But forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will. And the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me, I prayed silently. All the time the guy stands his hand out. Seconds. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands, and then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hand, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. So I kind of forgiveness that is that story along with a Sister Miriam story because there's this kind of forgiveness that is possible. I mean, we always have put Jesus in a different... Well, of course, Jesus can forgive people. But let's talk about human beings who are followers of Jesus who had a level of forgiveness most of us have never had to do, right? So I'm just saying that's, that's the... Uh, it's possible, all right? So I don't know what's been done to you, but I'm just putting it out there. Because I've doing, been doing a series, go to the next slide, about healing. This is actually probably the last one. And we've talked about a variety of issues that kind of heal our hearts, basically kind of heal our emotional hearts, because that's a large part of our spiritual journey. And when Jesus came in Luke chapter 4, he talked about his mission was to bring healing to us. Not primarily physically healing, but healing of our hearts. He came to heal us and give our hearts back to us. The hearts that God gave us with. And so Jesus' mission, go to the next slide, in Luke chapter 4. This is the mission of Jesus according to Jesus. He was speaking this in front of a small synagogue gathering in his hometown. When it was his turn to read, he was just getting in. He was, this was really his first public speaking opportunity, so to speak. But he's quoting from the prophet Isaiah about what the mission of the Messiah would be. So this was 600 years prior to when Jesus was there. But every Jewish man and woman, boy and girl, knew that's what's talking about the Messiah. And Jesus reads this. We don't know if it was it just happened to be the day to read that or he just knew that's what he wanted to read. We don't know how it worked out, but he was destined to read this in front of his synagogue. Maybe, it might have been like 50 people. There are not a whole lot of people. And this is what he read. Read this with me, all right? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to claim that captives will be released, the blind will see, the oppressed will be set free, and the time of the Lord's favor has come. He read that. The Bible says he rolled up the scroll, and then he said, today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. And it's his way of saying, they all understood this. This is about me. And they were awed. They were in awe. Then, like I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. You can go back and read the passage. Within a few moments, they were actually ready to throw him over the cliff because they didn't like the fact that how he was going to be the Messiah they wanted the Messiah, but not on his terms. So, but I'm saying that because when he said cats will be released, that's kind of what we're talking about today. And I talked about last week is forgiveness because it's, it's a release for us to be set free. So when you think about Sister Miriam or Corey Ten Boom, um, Jesus gave them the supernatural ability to forgive. All right. So now go to the next slide. So um, I asked this question last week. I'm going to ask it again this week. Who is someone difficult for you to forgive? And how are you currently doing with it? It might be, I mean, compared to the trauma that Sister Miriam and Corey Ten Boom, you might say, well, mine's nothing compared to that. No, but it's still something. 
Trauma can be 48-point font or it can be, you know, 8-point font. It might just be somebody kind of disregarded you. They disrespected you. They didn't treat you well. They or said a harsh word to you. But we all have, we've all been hurt by people. And if you haven't been, then um, you're not human, so, right, and you don't need to be here. If you haven't been hurt by people, you don't need God, right? But we've all been hurt by people, and so who is, who is someone that's hurt you? It might even be a spouse. It might be a mom or a dad. Maybe things they didn't do or should have done. Let me say that again. It may be things they didn't do that a healthy mom or dad or husband or wife or, whatever, or a friend would have done for you, but they're not doing it caused you pain, all right? So, and then we're stuck in this loop of forgiveness or lack thereof, and um, so now I don't, uh, I was going to pass these out, but I'm not going to. Go to the next, I have these cards, and I, I want you to fill them out in your head, so to speak, all right? And I just didn't want to mess with pens and stuff this morning, but if you were to fill this out and talk about someone that trespassed against you, that's somebody that sinned against you, you know, Forgive us our trespasses, we forgive those who trespass against us. What did they do to you? They what? They hurt me. They abused me. They, they dismissed me. They were unkind to me. They were mean to me. They bullied me. They forgot about me. They abandoned me. They treated me like dirt. They just wounded me with their words. There can be any variety of things. Sometimes it's simply, sometimes I might, be, I might be just bothered by somebody who doesn't give me the respect I think I'm supposed to deserve. But it still hurts. So they did something and it made me feel, again, this is not like psychobabble, this is kind of how our lives, it made you feel Maybe rejected, ashamed, guilty, anxious, dirty, embarrassed, degraded, overlooked, belittled, misunderstood, accused, stupid, or worthless. I can't imagine we've all at least could check many of those words about ways we felt because how someone stepped over the line, trespassed in our lives. So we've all felt those things. And what do you do with those things when you feel those ways? Well, I'm just going to get over it. Well, what does that mean? That mean you just stuff it into the small closet in the back of your heart and lock the door and never deal with it? Because it doesn't go away. It stays there. All right? So what, how do you get over it? What do you do? So now I'm going to switch gears for a second. We're going to go to Christmas for a second because here's why. So, so and this, um, this is related to forgiveness, all right? So the Grinch stole Christmas, and incidentally, if you want to see a human version of the Grinch, ask John Kensick for a picture of himself playing the Grinch at a school event last week. I've seen the picture. It's actually good. I was going to put it on the screen, but I didn't want to do it without his permission, so he's going to, he can show you himself. But part of the story, there's a, there's a line in the Grinch, and this, this is part of the book. Um, the Grinch hated Christmas the whole Christmas season. Now, please don't ask why. No one quite knows the reason. It could be his head wasn't screwed on just right. It could be perhaps his shoes were too tight. But I think the most likely reason of all, anybody remember what's next? May have been that his heart was two sizes too small. All right? And I'm saying that because a pastor I respect from years ago used to talk about being small-hearted people and that small-hearted people can't forgive. 
or they have a hard time forgiving because in their being wounded by others or whatever, they kind of, they kind of put, shrink their heart down so they can control it. But when you're a small-hearted person, you don't have much resources to give anything away to anybody. So I'm using the small-heartedness as uh, the challenge we might have. Because I, I realize there's times in my life, I actually would say about certain situations, I was pretty small-hearted toward that person. Which basically means I wasn't generous with my spirit at all. I wasn't generous with my emotions, and I certainly wasn't ready to forgive them. We would call Sister Miriam and Corey Temboom large-hearted people. Maybe hearts that were bigger than normal. But my point is that sometimes our heart, we're challenged, and unforgiveness does feel like my heart's a little bit restricted because it's in protection mode, all right? Now go back to the, what's the next slide do I have up there? Yeah, go to the next one. So forgiveness. We're going to read. Uh, this is when you, these are all probably stories you're familiar with, but it's always good to kind of hear them again. This is uh, when Peter, so let me go back to this now. So you might say, okay, I can't be like Sister Miriam or Corey Temboom. And I am going to say this. It's not something that's instantaneous. It's not like I can just say to Ryan Edwards, Ryan, just forgive him. Okay, boom, I'm done. No, it, it's, sometimes it's a hard process working through with God. And they may have taken days, weeks, and years to get there. So I'm not saying Scripture never assumes it's easy to forgive. It's not easy to forgive. It, and it's not something I should just say forgive, get over it. Because sometimes we think forgiving and getting over it are the same thing. And it's not really. So I'm just, so we know what that's like. So I'm not saying it's hard, but we're all on the, we're all on the journey. So Peter asked Jesus about forgiving, and maybe you can see if you were Peter, put yourself maybe in Peter's shoes in this passage, you might see. So Peter comes up to Jesus, this is Matthew chapter 18, and I'll just read through the passage, starting with verse 21. Peter comes up to Jesus and says, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? So let's assume Peter has somebody in mind. And Peter's not just thinking hypothetically. Peter was a blue-collar fisherman, probably had a lot of people that cheated him or did this or did that or whatever. So if you put yourself in Peter's body and he's asking Jesus, his emotions are probably like, how many times do I forgive this person? He probably had somebody in mind, just like you might have somebody in mind. Seven times? And Jesus says, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Which Peter's probably like, nobody can do that. Therefore, this is Jesus now. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his counts up to date with servants who had borrowed money. owed him millions of dollars. And Jesus does this because he's, he's giving an amount of money that was unthinkable. In other words, he's going the exaggerated extreme. This person owed him a million dollars. He couldn't pay it. So his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife and his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. That was part of sometimes ancient culture. You paid your debt by getting arrested and being sold. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, Please be patient with me, and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him. He was released and released him and forgave his debt. 
But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who had owed him just a few thousand dollars. It was really just a couple days' wages. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me. I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor, and remember the creditor was the one who just got forgiven a million dollar debt. His creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man who, who, had, who he had forgiven and said, You evil servant. I forgave you for that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. It's a hard sentence to listen to, right? Angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid the entire debt. Then Jesus says, next That's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. It's like, wow. Kind of harsh, Jesus. I mean, in this parable, in this story, this guy was forgiven a million dollars. He wouldn't forgive a thousand dollars, so he's thrown into prison and tortured until he pays his debt. And Jesus says, that's how my Father's going to treat you if you don't... And if we didn't know Jesus... We could take that in a tone that's very harsh, retribution-like, tit-for-tat, and just angry. But I mentioned last week, when Jesus says this, he's like, the, the, the imprisonment is of your own doing. The captivity and torture of your soul is of your own doing. It's not that God is doing that to you. You've chosen that path. You've chosen the path of not, not forgiving. You've chosen the path of being angry toward the person who hurt you or owes you money, owes you something. And you've chosen that captivity. So it's not that, it's not that God doesn't want to, to love you and treat you, but he, you won't allow him to. Like I said before, if I, if, I, if I have, I said this last week, but I like this analogy. If I had a pipe on top of me that was, the, it was a big funnel. Imagine my head with a big funnel over it, you know, and God wants to pour in his life into me. But if I'm not forgiving, if I am not forgiving other people, then really what I've done, I've clogged that funnel with rocks, dirt, paper, whatever else. So the most that can come out of that funnel might be a trickle from God. It's not that God won't pour it in. It has no place to go. So why would God waste pouring in if it has no place to go? So I'm talking about the rocks, the dirt, and the wads of wet paper that are stuffed up in the, into your heart that won't allow God to pour in what he wants to pour into you. So that's the sense of this when it says, so my father, you know, my, my father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers. Your refusal to forgive is your refusal to accept anything from God. And that might sound harsh, but it actually is very freeing. It's meant to be freeing because God wants to set you free. So you might, I, I keep going back to Sister Miriam and Corey Ten Boom because I, I look at them and I think, I, I couldn't do that. 
I haven't had to forgive anybody at that level of trauma. Maybe some of you have. Or maybe some of you need to forgive somebody that level of trauma. But all of us have some level of hurt by somebody. It may just be somebody you work with that just is, total, is a total jerk, if I can use that Greek word. It's not a Greek word, but you know what I mean. Maybe it's somebody you work with, you just have a hard time being generous of spirit toward them. I'm not, you know, you, you're hard, have tried, it's hard for you to treat them any kind of kindness because you just want to avoid them. Avoidance, by the way, I've read some articles about this in terms of psychological, avoidance is actually a sign of unforgiveness. You avoid somebody. Now, sometimes avoidance is because if the person's not safe, you want to avoid that. But if you avoid them uh, because you want, don't want to be in their presence because you're mad at them, that can be a sign of unforgiveness. I, I, years ago, my, Kath and I were at some kind of a social, outdoor social event on, on campus or something. I can't remember what it was, but there was somebody there who I would say was in my category of I have a hard time. They had hurt me. All right? not, nothing traumatically big, but they had hurt me. So the food table was like, let's say the food table was back there with where John was. And I wanted to get something to eat or drink or whatever. And this person was maybe standing where Ryan was. I'm standing here with Kathy. To go to the food table, I don't go the shortest distance between two points. I walk all the way around that way. Come back. Kathy's like, what were you doing? I was just eating a drink. She's like, why did you go that way? Just wanted to. And she said, and she called me on it. It's because he's over there, right? You didn't want to walk even by him? I wasn't, I wasn't even going to be forced to say hi to him. She didn't, I didn't walk by him. And, I, I, you know, I, as I often have to say to my wife, I'm busted, right? Forgiveness is hard. So if you're avoiding somebody, it may be a sign of not being forgiving. So my, my whole point with this week on forgiveness and last week and all the other things we've talked about where God wants to heal your heart is, is if Jesus said he came to set your heart, your heart free, that's what he wants to do. And you might say, but Matt, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they've done to me. And I had somebody tell me recently, and they're going to do it again, and they're going to do it again, and they're going to do it again. So forgiveness doesn't mean it doesn't matter. It does matter. Your pain matters. Forgiveness also doesn't mean you have to reestablish healthy relationship. Sometimes it just means you kind of keep your distance, but not in a way you're avoiding, but you, for safety reasons. But it doesn't mean you have to be all normal again. But it does mean you have to show generosity of spirit toward them and whatever. I, you know, there's three different things you could be. You could, all, you could say, I'm, I'm hurt and I will get revenge. We would all say, well, we shouldn't do that. Next one is, I am hurt, but I'm, I'm okay. I'm not going to hurt them back. And that used to be my understanding of, oh, that's the righteous way to go. I'm hurt, I'm not going to hurt them back. What Jesus says is, the righteous way to go is, I am hurt and I, by that person, and I will bless them. Because that's like, wait, what, what would I, why would this woman who was abused sexually when she was a child say she wants her abuser or heaven with her? Why would Corey Ten Boom say she wants the Nazi guard? And why would she want to bless him? That's, that's the way of Jesus. So if there's somebody in your life that you're thinking, as I often have thought, I'm doing good, I don't want revenge on him anymore, then you're part way to forgiveness. Because the way to forgiveness would then say, no, I'm, I'm going to look for ways to bless them. It might even be simply praying for them. 
You may not want to, you don't have to take them out for lunch. Um, you don't, but I've actually, I've said this before, I've sent, I've sent gift cards to people anonymously. Nobody in here has gotten one from me anonymously, so it's not you, right? But I've done things like that that I thought, God, how do you want me to bless them? Maybe it's simply, and I would encourage you, like I did last week, pray for those people out loud when you're by yourself in your car or in a bedroom. God, I want you to bless Joe. It's harder to do than you think. It's easy to say it in your head, but when you hear your own voice say it through your own ears, it's like, I don't want to say that, God. I don't want you to bless Joe. You don't know Joe. God, you know what Joe did to me? Well, of course, God's like, I know what he did. So I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging us to be people not simply like Sister Miriam or Corey Ten Boom, but in the last, and I'll close with this, um, when Jesus was on the cross, and I said, I said this before, but it always, 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 always um, blows me away. He's on the cross. He's being tortured. He has been tortured. He is being tortured. The torture is not done. So hurt, past, present, and it will continue. I have a hard time forgiving somebody who hurt me a year ago. Almost impossible if they hurt me a day ago, right? We have time. We need time, right? There's legitimacy. I'm not saying the hurt doesn't hurt matters. But when Jesus says, in the midst of his torture, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's the kind of spirit that Corey Ten Boom had. That's the spirit that Sister Miriam had when she wanted her abuser in heaven with her. Because that kind of forgiveness is only possible supernaturally. You cannot, it's willpower to make the steps of forgiveness, but it's the willpower is the steps that God then has the opening to pour in his spirit into you. So sometimes you have to do something first that's an act of forgiveness, and then the spirit will go right through that open door that you've opened for them. So I just want to encourage you, maybe if somebody comes to mind that you need to be praying for out loud, Maybe somebody comes to mind that you just need to be praying for. Maybe you want to, maybe you give somebody a gift that you really don't want to. <laughs> I always say this, people, don't send them a gift card to White Castle. That's mean, all right? That's not, a, that's not generosity. Send them a nice gift card or do something nice for them without expecting them in return. And you don't need to tell them, I'm doing this because I forgive you, because that often makes kind of weird kind of dynamics, right? So let me pray. God, uh, close your eyes first. So God, I want I'm going to ask you to bring to mind any of us, and maybe we already have those people in mind, um, that have been hard for us to forgive. People that have wounded us, and maybe even wounded us deeply. And maybe still are wounding us deeply. And we have understandably taken this, uh, put ourselves in an emotional cocoon. I'm not going to let anybody hurt me. I'm, 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 I'm going to stay here. God, would you help us become the kind of people that bless those who have hurt us or we at the very least we want you to bless them that's hard for us but we also know that what you've done and are doing in our lives and your uh, forgiveness of us sets us free in ways that we can change the world if we can have the supernatural power of forgiveness so God I pray for anybody that comes to our mind, the names that come to our mind, the faces that come to our mind, maybe even the incidents that come to our mind. And um, would you give us the supernatural power 
to release them so that we can be released from our own captivity to anger and revenge. Uh, We love you, Jesus, and we ask this all in your name. Amen.